All right, folks, what's going on? This is Jake Hofer. This is the Land Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. It is with Brian Hogan. Brian is actually my managing broker with Land Pros for the state of Illinois. He's out of Minnesota and is in a leadership position with Land Pros across the board and is a true real estate veteran. And how you get that designation here on this podcast is you've been in the business for a long time. You've done a lot of deals. You have access to a lot of really sharp people and you can provide strong advice. And so that is exactly who Brian is. We get to hear about his story, how he bought his first 80 and then how he sold that. And then ended up buying some commercial buildings or lots, building a building and everything else that kind of throughout his land journey. And you get to hear some common themes of advice that has been transcendent. He's been a he's a sixth generation uh, farmer, and so kind of a you get to hear the themes of growing up in the in that type of environment and the advice that gets passed down, and also has talked to a lot of sharp people and what their advice as well. So really good episode. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. Before we get into it, real quick. Some super quick housekeeping notes. If this is the first time you're tuning in here, the goal of the podcast is to help 100 people buy their first piece of dirt. Now, whether that means me actually helping you here in the state of Illinois, if that's me helping you get connected with an expert in your area, or you just simply learning something on here, communicating that with me so I can add to the spreadsheet. We're going to help 100 people. Don't know how long it's going to take, but we've added quite a few people here to the list this year, and it is only March. So if you learn something, it helps you, it helps you buy your first piece of ground, then let me know because I want to add you to the spreadsheet. Also, head over to the link tree and sign up for the newsletter, the resource sign up. And when you see an email hit your inbox, you're going to know it's good. And that is my promise to you. So we're not going to spam you. And uh, we'll be providing exclusive great resources for you there. And I think that's about it. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. If you guys enjoyed the episode, please leave a written review. Here we go. All right, we're live. I have uh, Brian Hogan here. Brian, I'm super excited about this because I've known you for a while. You're my managing broker here in Illinois, but truthfully, I really don't know. I don't know much about you. I mean, as crappy as that sounds, I don't know how you got to where you're at. I don't know what your history in real estate is. I read your bio on Land Pros. Seems like you're very entrepreneurial and uh, excited to have you on here today. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I don't know. I'm maybe a little nervous about telling you how I got here because it was, <laughs> it was, I skinned my knees many times to get here. And I, I actually, I think I have a few more times to skin my knees too. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, it's all part of the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for folks who don't know who you are, I guess, take this as a, as a chance to kind of introduce yourself and um, obviously what you do for a living. Ah, thanks, Jake. Well, thanks for having me. First off, uh, you're you're killing it here with this thing, and I'm humbled to be on it. So, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, I, uh, I uh, hang my hat on being a family man. I'm a father, husband. I have three kids, uh, wife Stacy, and we reside in southern Minnesota near Rochester. So, I'm a product of us. Uh, a farm family that's been here for a very long time and uh, didn't move very far. So I, uh, I'm about five miles from the farm my great great grandfather homesteaded back in 1866. So we're still farming that farm today. So we've been in land a long time, I guess. Let's put it that way. So mm -hmm. that's I like it. Yeah. So growing up, I mean, for me, I did not necessarily grow. I grew up around agriculture. I grew up around hunting, but I did not grow up in a multi generational farming family. What, what advantages do you think there are to, to growing up in a family that 
farming is just literally in in your DNA the the moment <laughs> the moment you hit the earth. Sure, that's a great question. And when I think about that, I actually well, a little teary eyed. I think back of all the just wonderful things that I I got to experience doing that. Right. Uh, I tell everybody, anybody that knows me, I, I talk about the fender of the 4020 tractor is where I spent most of my life as a young, young lad and a teenager. I sat with my dad and sat on the fender and I learned a lot of stuff out there. So, and that's why I'm so passionate about land today because I, I grew up on it and I lived on it and I live on it today. So it's, it's just great. There's been some hard times, you know, we, my family went through the eighties. We, We've owned a lot of land and we've gone through some tough times and had to sell off a bunch of that land. And we've had a, you know, we're six generations deep, right? So we've had our ups and downs in farming. We stuck with it. I learned a lot of work ethic, just like anybody that grew up on the farm. Um, I probably worked too much. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, for for uh, doing what I do and, and getting to getting to do what I get to do. I, I need to work a lot. So I, I learned that from the farm. I learned the appreciation of land. Um, everybody says, well, you really can't hurt it. It's going to be here for generations. And I disagree with that. Uh, it's a God-given gift. Um, and we need to take care of it every chance we can, whether we're buying it, selling it, farming it, hunting on it, walking across it. I don't care. I just, I learned that value. I mean, we 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 grew up or I grew up in an area that was a little rolly, so we had erosion problems. So we were always building waterways and terraces and we were taking care of the land. And that that's something I'll never forget. It was hard work. I remember I remember picking up stones and picking up trees and uh, it's just it was, it was hard work, but it, it made me appreciate the beauty of what it really is. And and that that plays into what I do today, you know, and it's it's just something that's invaluable. So someone buying a piece of land, I always say, get over it, buy it, say yes, because it's not just about the price. There's so many other things that you're going to say yes to when you buy that land, whether you, you, I don't care if you grew up on it or not. Start today and raise your kids on make it. Make your or, own memories. Yeah, make your own start today, you know, so it's. I mean, I might be generationally deep into it and I maybe have some advantages, but it doesn't mean it should set me apart from anybody else. We're all the same. That this this thing that ties us together as land thing is 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 beauty to me. So mm -hmm. so not only are you my managing broker, but you're also the COO of Land Pros, Country Living, uh, Land Pros Farm Management, and basically that entire suite. So how did you because I know you had a real estate background prior to land pros as well? How did you cross paths with I'm guessing Greg and Bo, or yeah. How, how'd you how'd you how'd you become the CEO of Land Pros? <laughs> that's a, well, <laughs> yeah, that's another generational story. It feels like it, although it hasn't actually been that long. It's it's, <laughs> it's been what six seven years now, which is really short. But uh, uh, about that, I back back in 2011, 12, 13, I was in partnership in a very large farming operation. We were farming 15,000 plus acres wow. in like nine or 10 counties across Southern Minnesota and Northern Iowa. So I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, kind of like I am today, but I was, we were farming it all. There's right? a theme, well, yeah. There's a theme there. <laughs> That's what happens when you grow up on the farm. You just work and work and work. So, but anyway, uh, long story short, uh, 
Greg Jensen, um, not only today, but back then and even before then was dominating the land sales and auction, auction, uh, you know, area in that entire area that I was farming in. So we worked with a lot of the same landowners, a lot of the same farm operators. I get to know Greg because they were selling farms, we were buying farms, we, we shared the same investors. Um, I actually had a real estate license at the time because I had, I had previously uh, gotten that because I had been doing a bunch of deals. And uh, Greg just said one day, he says, why don't you just come work for me? Come, come, come put your license down on my wall. And at the time it was called Jensen Real Estate. You know, it had the boot and <laughs> had the auction. You know, they were big in auctioneering. So uh, I said, you know, what the heck? And then as I got to know Bo, Greg's son, really the visionary and the founder of what Land Pros is today. Um, I remember the day, I remember the chair I was sitting in, in the office, <laughs> in our office in Albert Lee, pink, ugly chair. I was sitting there kind of leaned back and Bo was in front of me and Greg was to the left of me and Bo looks up and goes, what do you guys think of this? What do you think? Should we do this? And here's what, and I said, well, why? And he says, well, I don't know if, I don't know if long-term for my family and legacy that uh, uh, the local hometown auctioneer and his son are going to make it long-term, you know, because I think we really need a team and we need to bring all of you people that know all these people together and really serve. I'm like, well, okay, well, all right. For long-term sustainability, it's just like farming. Can't farm a hundred acres anymore, right? And I think in the real estate business, that's shown itself lately. You can't really sell in a county and be the local auctioneer anymore. It just doesn't work. So um, I said, he says, do you want to be part of it? And I said, well, I guess why not? What the heck, you know, <laughs> throw a little something more on the plate. And then, and then uh, <laughs> I said, well, what are you going to call it? And he says, well, what do you think about land pros? I'm like, hmm. And he said, that's pretty good. And he said, can't explain why. And it was a great item. And if anybody knows Bo, I'm sure a lot of people listening maybe do or have heard of him. He's very visionary. He's very intelligent. So I uh, I said, yeah. And then after that, he started showing me logos. And we just, I don't know how we got here, but here we are today. Yeah. It's just this thing in nine or 10 states now. And it's just, it's just been a blast. Yeah. So, That's really exciting. I mean, it's, Exodus is the Exodus turned seven years old this year too. And so I've been with him for five and I, you're okay. right. And how fast, it can go and how slow it can go at times. Right, yeah, I, I know right. that makes no sense, but that's how it works sometimes. So, yeah. you know, in a lot can happen in five or six, seven years, especially <sighs> in today's marketplace and how fast everything moves. How much has it moved and changed since even Land Pros was a team of, I don't know, five, six people to what it is today in terms of what the real estate market's like? Oh, I, I tell you, like, like you were saying, sorry about that. Like you were saying, it has absurd uh where you think you're going where you think you want it to go and where it actually goes and what it does and it's just it's it's so much different than i envisioned it mm -hmm. but that's okay we're flexible and we've changed and we're going to continue to evolve and innovate but it, it's changed so much you know we thought we'd do it this way <laughs> we thought we knew some things and and we started listening to some other people and we started falling down and getting our knees. And it's just, it's just, I can't believe where it's gone. You know, like our country living division, 
our you know our sub brand company country living or land and lakes realty some of you maybe never even heard of that yet because it's brand new um they they've taken us down these different paths you know the rural acreage and lake development lake home uh smaller acreage it really needs specialists in it it's been a it's been a missed cue in the real estate industry and it's just been fabulous to watch that baby grow up and become what it is you know the uh, auctioneer business is changing you know and i i'm a firm believer in auctioning to find true market discovery um i'd even almost go to go as far as saying almost all properties should go that way right just just for true market discovery now some can't they're all unique i understand that but as of late especially with this uptick and and everything i i was fearful and scared of auctions because i didn't understand them i didn't know them um today i absolutely love them and uh recommend them in, in nearly all cases you know so that's that's changed a lot i didn't think i'd ever hear myself say that mm-hmm. and i didn't think i'd ever be part of building a company that would hang its hat on that mm-hmm. you know um because there's not many companies um that can really, really do auctions well. Now, are there some out there? Yes, there are. And they've been been around for a long time, maybe even a couple of new ones, but it, it it definitely is imperative in, in markets like this and in other times, you know, even you know, back back in the bad days when everybody talks the 80s, you know, I listened to Greg, Greg Jensen, uh, about that time. And I understand why auctions were important then, you know. So I mean, just how it's evolved and how I feel about the business and different than what I actually envisioned it to be. So, mm-hmm. yep. Do you, do you find it interesting that real estate consider, con- continually keeps niching down? And what I mean by that is uh, all the different brokerages that specialize in very specific things. Um, and you think about even probably even six, seven years ago, how much more it's niched down. I mean, if you think of some of these brokerages that are state-specific, sub-niche-specific, and then you have, uh, like you, you made mention, the, the lake division. And so do you, th- do you see that discontinuing to continue to just boil down into very, very specific brokers and brokerages? You know, I'm a big advocate of people buying from people, right? Uh, I don't think I ever want to lose that adage. It rings true every day. Um, Let's be honest, these land sales, whether it's on Lakeshore, whether it's a rural acreage or whether it's a manicured deer farm or it's a timber farm or a pasture asset or mixed use, they're very, very expensive. Um, Sometimes they've been in families a very, very long time. And it's not just another house that you move into every seven years. It's not another commercial office space that changes ownership several times. These are generational farms. Um, their, their family's entire estate and wealth um, over generations in most, of the time, most cases. And there's something to not take lightly um, they shouldn't be traded around as just a commodity or oh, like yeah. I said, another house. Mm-hmm. They're very unique. They're very environmentally sensitive in some regards. They need a specialist to, it's just a must. I, I, 
quite interesting. I, I, I bid for, for sellers listings and auctions all the time. And there's always somebody that's going to do it for much, much cheaper than we can do it for, right? But I just won't sacrifice any of that uh, system because these things are are of such value, you know? You can't cut corners when it comes, you only get to sell that farm once or you, only that quote. Get, yep. you know, you only get to buy that farm once. If you make the wrong decision, that, that's pretty costly. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. You only get to sell a farm once, uh, realistically. I'm sure there's some unique situations where you maybe you do get to right. do it twice, but uh, generally speaking, you get to sell a farm yeah. once. And right. uh, so it is very uh, interesting to see folks that are just super specialized and do have uh, real knowledge and are able to help them beyond right. what, what an average broker can do. Now, you got in real estate in 2004 when you purchased and developed a commercial property. What is the story behind this? Because how old were you? What was the property and how'd you develop it? 2004. How old was I? I'm trying to think. How many years ago was that? 20, what are 20, we, 20 years ago? 18. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So call it 20 for easy math because that's how I roll. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking right about 25, six, seven years old. Uh huh. And you know what I was at that time? What's that? <laughs> An idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what the beauty of land is? Doesn't matter if you're an idiot. If time's on your side on this thing, just buy yep. it. Yep. Yeah, I would say that. Just buy it. Mm -hmm. I bought the most expensive soybean field in the county that year by a long shot. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was two acres, and it cost me forty-five thousand dollars an acre. And land was selling soybean fields at that time were selling for twenty-five hundred dollars an acre. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, I was, a, I was an idiot, right, Kate? Well, I, let's see how this story ends, is all I'm yeah. going to say. <laughs> no, I was young. I was naive. I, uh, I, I, I had this vision of, uh, I, see, I, I noticed some development happening. It was along an interstate highway system. It's on the Golden, it's, it's called the Golden Corridor. It's Highway 52 near Zambroda, Minnesota. And it lies right in between Minneapolis and Rochester, right? Mm -hmm. So I found a soybean field uh, near an off-ramp on the highway, an exit ramp uh, near Zambrota, exit 58. And decided, you know, I'm going to buy that land because it's going to be developmental. It was being sold as developmental land. So I said, I'm going to buy that. And I'm going to get a first-rate refusal on all the land around me. And then I'm going to improve the land and put something up to generate uh, income off that land, of course, because you and I probably could both count on our fingers and know I wasn't going to come out growing soybeans on two acres. It cost me 45,000 bucks an acre, right? Correct. So, <laughs> so I, I, took a, I took a leap of faith there. I built a commercial space there. Um, and actually, I'm sitting in that space today after about 15 years being removed oh, cool. from it. Uh -huh. So it's kind of funny. That is funny. <laughs> it is funny. I'm sitting there today and we've just dumped a boatload of money into build out. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we're actually moving some of Land Pros Company's uh, staff and management to that building because of its uh, visibility, its access, its location, um, and the company's growing, right? So we needed some additional space. Uh, 
there's a there's there's a lot of exciting things going on here at Land Pearls. We're we're building out uh, some video and IT assets that we're going to use uh, for business and for other business partners. And uh, so we're working on that right now. But mm-hmm. prior to that, um, I uh, used that property. I first started the business. I sold the business to a partner because I couldn't. Was too busy to operate the business, but I maintained ownership of the real estate and the improvements, and I leased it out. I did pretty good, you know. I, I, uh, I made probably about seven percent return on my money over all these years. Now I haven't taken many dollars out of it. I've improved and I've taken the money and reinvested. Um, and now today I'm sitting pretty good on the property. Uh, about every other day, someone comes in and asks if they can buy it. And I'm like, no, I'm not selling it. So, yep. And it's worth much more sure. than the $45,000 per acre now. Yeah. So, so, so of yep. the of the two acres, how much is it developed? So how, I guess when you say you built the commercial building, is it one office suite, multiple office suites? Right. Paint, paint so that what, picture for us. What I built was a post-frame building. Um, and I built part of it as offices um, and potential retail that faces the highway. There, you know, it's a it's a 6,200 square foot space that uh, was set up. It's post frame building, very nice, aesthetically a pleasing building. Again, I was naive, and like I said, I was an idiot. I spent probably too much money on it, mm-hmm. and but it's it's nice. It looks nice, and it's still here, and it's in really good condition. So that was part of the saving grace of spending a little too much money. We've all done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the balance of the space is large, large open space to do whatever you want with. We were actually operating or I was leasing it to a tenant that was doing truck, heavy truck repair and truck washing, mm-hmm. washouts, that kind of stuff in it. So kind of crazy. Now it's going to be a real estate <laughs> <laughs> we'll venue and center. Yeah. Um, but we're going to use that space for our auction space, uh, high end, uh, auction stuff and even some of our simulcast stuff. So um, that that's what the space will, it'll tie in nicely with the auction business. So that's really cool. That's yeah. what, what inspired you to, to buy that as a 24, 25, 26 year old uh, kid, I'll say. Good question. I got to think back to that. Um, I was pretty eager when I was young and I worked pretty hard uh, getting out of high school. I started, went to college and started farming right away on the side and I made enough money to buy my first farm. Right. So I bought my first 80 acres of tillable land. Um, now I don't own that 80 acres anymore. And I really wish I did. Sure. <laughs> so I sold that farm and then I bought because the farm economy was pretty bleak. Then land prices were low. Um, we were in the, you know, right now we're in the twelve to thirteen thousand dollar per acre range, and at that time we were in the twenty five to twenty seven and falling. Mm-hmm. So I had a guy that had to do a ten thirty one exchange, and he offered me thirty four hundred dollars an acre for a twenty seven hundred dollar an acre farm. Mm-hmm. And I always tell this to everybody, unless it's the home farm that grandpa or great grandpa you know, homesteaded, don't, don't get too attached because, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in real estate and turning farms and reinvesting is what makes a lot of people wealthy. That's how a lot of folks do it. So I sold that farm and I had to divvy up that money 
So I 1031 it into this. I 1031 and then I actually bought a couple other businesses outside of farming. Mm-hmm. And that's what I took that money and did. So interesting. So yeah. how, how old were you when you bought that 80? I assume right before you, you bought the, so this is like 2002 yeah, then probably? Correct. Yeah. So or I guess probably, yeah. that was in my early twenties. Yep. Okay. I mean, yep. kudos, kudos to you for buying 80 in your early twenties. Well, There's not a lot of people to do that. Just do it. <laughs> so just find as, find the money wherever you can for to make the down payment. Just do it because time is your friend on the way up. Yeah. Well, time's, time's your friend for any investment. That's, that's yeah, sound. Yeah. You're right, Jake. You're exactly right. So, mm-hmm. so the best, I always tell everybody the best time to buy a farm was a long time ago, but the very next, next best times today. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of the same tree, the same, yeah. uh, the same tree lingo. So what, what are some other businesses that they, what other businesses did you buy? I don't know if I want to talk about it, <laughs> <laughs> but they brought me to where I am today. So I, uh, I, I was big into fitness back in the day because I was okay. young and uh-huh. needed to look good for the for whatever reasons uh, <laughs> they were. And uh, I jumped into uh, owning fitness centers. I okay. built. I was actually building the you know these twenty four hour workout centers before they became popular. Yeah, I built built my first one, and then I just kept going, building more and bought more, and then I actually bought a franchise. A license, so I licensed out to other ones. So I owned four or five uh, fitness centers, sold them off individually, and then I owned actually the brand and the franchise, and I licensed that out to a number of other. They were small town USA fitness clubs. Towns of the model was two to five thousand people, and you know we were open twenty four seven. I laid out a plan how to run them, how to do it, you know, and and did okay on them. I. I, I got to tell you, I didn't get rich. I worked hard. It was fun. Mm-hmm. I got to enjoy the asset, you know? Sure. So just like today, buying farms like that, I get to enjoy that asset again. And that's really been my philosophy. I hate stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, do I play in them a little bit? Yeah, just like everybody. But I can't go play on them. So I hate them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, some some people made a lot of money in the stock market and different investment. That's to, to each their own. I'm not smart enough to Same. know yep. when to do that and when to say when, and I don't know it. And and the biggest thing is, Jake, I, I don't get to play on those stock certificates. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I that's the beauty. That's the, that's a very unique thing about land and, and even mixed land. Like we're going to discuss here a little bit later on um, uh, yeah, right. perfect balance, but that's very interesting. So you own some commercial properties, you own some gyms. Like I said, I, I was excited for this conversation. I was ready to learn all about it. <laughs> You're exposing all of my blunders. <laughs> I mean, it's all experience. It's all experience. What was it like running gym, like multiple gyms in your in your mid twenties, like managing your team or managing, or maybe the lack of managing? I don't know. You tell me. There you go. Um, I can tell you, I learned a lot about men's and women's restrooms because I cleaned them a lot. So, uh-huh. I actually, this is a really funny story. When I was about seventeen years old. 18 years old, right in there, a very wealthy landowner and I were talking and he's become a friend and mentor. I said, how did you get all this? I'm like, how, you know, because you're a first generation farmer. You don't have a long generational track record of farming and it wasn't handed down. Mm -hmm. You know what he looked looked me right in the eye and this was his very words. His name's David, uh, anybody wants his number, He's, he's a very, very, very unique individual. 
But he looked at me right in the eye and says, Brian, I cleaned my own toilets. <laughs> That's what he said. That, that was, was it. That was it. That yeah. was it. And I sat there and I thought about that. And and it's funny. I uh, walked into the Albert Lee office today, uh, or not today, still today. And then here in the office up, up near Rochester, I'll, I'll clean my own toilets. I'll clean the toilets. because Stay I humble. Do the work. That humility and that work ethic. You're not above anybody else just because I have a lot. You know, I thoroughly cherish every phone call with every buyer, seller, all my agents. You you know how I try to answer the phone yep. every chance I get. I just love talking because we're all the same here. Yep. I love learning from people people just starting out, and I love learning from older people, you know. So I, I just really enjoy talking to people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's one of my favorite things about, uh, I guess, working in land pros is the people you get to talk with. I know there's probably yeah. a bad rap of like dealing with the general public, but honestly, I've talked to some really sharp and interesting people, and uh, the things I've learned, I, I I think it'd be really challenging to do in a in a different position. You're so right. These people teach me. Uh, my clients, customers, my my agents, whether they're senior or younger, they they all teach me something, and I I enjoy that. So. Mm-hmm. So you sold, when did you sell those gyms? When did I sell those gyms? That must've been approximately, gosh, I lose track of time here. It's 20, 2022 already. I must've sold them in 2009, 2010, somewhere mm-hmm. in there after the crash. Mm-hmm. So what'd you, so you took that money and then what'd you do after that? Did you start another business, start doing real estate more? Or farming oh, more? What did I do? I dumped that into my farming operation. I was farming pretty big uh, and putting all my eggs in that basket. And uh, maybe later, if we get into a couple other uh, conversations about real estate, uh, I, I'm no longer a put all my eggs in one basket kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. And uh, we had some hard times in farming in 12 and 13 when we had drought followed by prevent plant and our, you know, I was farming in nine or 10 counties. We never even heard of prevent plant. Didn't know what it was up here mm-hmm. in Minnesota, Northern Iowa. That slammed pretty good, set us back. That really humbled me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to eat, eat crow and learn some things and kind of start over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's hard sometimes, you know, when you're doing well and you get knocked back and you get knocked to your knees and, you skin that scab off again, but I'm, I'm thankful that it happened. I'm thankful that I went through it because it leads me to today and it taught me so much. So sure. So I guess when you say not putting all your eggs in one basket, does that mean, uh, in one business, in one farm, what, Correct. what, what was your mistake and what, what won't you do again because of it? Well, right. I focused 100% on the operational aspect of farming. Mm-hmm. I didn't focus on the investment side of the land involved in farming. I just wanted to rent more and rent more and rent okay. more. And that was bad. And, and when I talk about that, my, if like you're starting out and you want to buy a farm, right? Maybe you don't want to put it all into this beautiful timbered piece that's hinge cut and all food plots. And you're going to kill a 200 inch deer every year, you know? Maybe that's not the farm you should buy first. You should diversify. Maybe buy a mixed use to get some income. You know, if tillable is good, direct goes a little south, you still, you know, just whatever you do, like even doing land pros, even buying a farm, don't dump it all into the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That's, that's, I guess what I mean by that. Okay. Gotcha. So in hindsight, do you wish you would have tried to acquire more properties to actually farm versus cash renting or uh, uh, operate on a smaller scale and not as spread out and focus well, in your backyard? The, the scale wasn't the problem. It was, I took too much risk on uh-huh. And I didn't in, I didn't make any investments to protect myself from that risk. So right now, you and I know rec lands through the roof, so is tillable. Um, but rec land, when it, when and if uh, we waver, um, and, and probably more of a when, you maybe won't have the backing of the income producing on it. So that's kind of what I mean in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So just to bring it down to simple terms. Sure. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think, uh, I don't know, you've, you've learned a lot in the last 18 years, sounds like. A lot of a variety of businesses. I, I wouldn't have guessed, uh, I wouldn't have guessed those businesses if, if you made me. So that's, uh, I'm glad I learned those. So I think that kind of leads into a question I have is, you know, I'm sure over the years you've worked with a lot of first-time buyers and maybe that is people wanting to buy farm ground or whatever ground to invest as in just a, uh, out of sight, out of mind type investment, or actually people buying it to use it, recreate on it with their family. What's a mistake that you see a lot of those folks make on that first purchase? Because it's the most important one. It, it really is. is. That, that first one's really important. And I don't want to make this sound like a shameless plug. Uh, and I don't care if it's land pros or any of our competitors that do a great job. Um, just find a good I don't care if it's even an agent, find somebody that knows what they're doing, find a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, and that mentor could be a great real estate agent. That mentor could be a landowner that tells you to clean your own toilets. It just find, don't do, don't, don't go to Zillow or don't go knock doors, find somebody that you can bounce ideas off in. And in most cases, a real estate professional is a good one, especially if you can make friends with them, you know, mm-hmm. Jake, I'm sure you're making a lot of friends by, by, giving this information that you are the way you are to new buyers. And, and I know you want to be their friends. So if you don't know anybody, call Jake, call somebody. Yeah, right. doesn't have to be just, just call or talk to somebody to get mentored. Yeah. That's it's, really the biggest mistake. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. Um, not knowing what you don't know uh, as you go right. and buy your first one. And I always say, and it's like, you want that farm to be a springboard not an anchor, meaning you don't want that to be weighing you down and you're kind of stuck. And I think people, I mean, recreational farms, and maybe you have more data on this, but it almost seems that there's a, what do you say, a seven to 10 year turnaround time or even five to 10 year, like they buy the first farm, then they want to end up upgrading, getting the farm closer to home or whatever the case may be. Like you want that to hopefully have good chunk of equity, you improve the property, you bought into a good neighborhood, it's desirable to someone else versus you bought a turd, you couldn't polish the turd. <laughs> now you can't sell the turd. And, and that's, that's the, that's the thought there. Would you agree right. with that? I a hundred percent, you know, and people get into flipping houses and rehabbing houses. These, these farms are not houses. I mean, they're very distinct and you need, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. You need to find somebody to help you with that. And that you're so right. That first one is a springboard. And another thing I always say, do not get too emotional. Mm, Buy it. You don't have to marry it. You might want to sell it before you even close on it. (laughs) (laughs) You just never know. Uh So don't get too emotional. Don't get too attached. 
And remember, you're probably buying a springboard. Just think of it that way. Just keep it that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, now maybe if your goals are different, you say, you know, I just want to buy 40 acres and I want to live happy, happily ever after down by the creek and have my little kid, whatever you want it for. That's okay. It's going to appreciate and it's going to do well. But most people in real estate are looking as the investment side of it because it does appreciate and it appreciates nicely over time. Mm-hmm. You know, so think of it that way. Think of it as your springboard. Don't get emotional. Um, and the next thing I would just say, quit overthinking it. Just buy it. Yeah. Just buy it. Yeah. You know, so. Well, it's, and it's tough too, because I see this all the time when, uh, in terms of residential, it's almost like the example of when you're selling a house and all of a sudden, uh, maybe it's the dad or father-in-law or whoever he's Mr. Home Inspector all of a sudden. Whoa. He comes in like, you need to burn this whole place down. It's garbage. And he just blew up a perfect deal of a great home that they were going to be happy to buy. And I think that happens too with recreational ground or even agricultural ground where you start talking to more people and like, ah, oh, I wouldn't even give them X. I wouldn't even give them Y. Are you kidding me? You'd pay that? What an idiot. And that's the more people you ask, the wrong people you ask, the more confused you're going to be. Absolutely. Don't ask too many people. Just Ask the right people. <laughs> ask the right people and just get a mentor. Um, I just bought a farm. I haven't closed on it yet. And uh, I, I had to decide within about 15 minutes. Never never looked at it. Uh, I was a little nervous. I went and talked to a mentor. And I had it bought within 15 minutes. And uh, it was a really good move because that farm's worth a lot more money today. So wow. it's a beautiful farm. I just, just did it. So, uh, tillable, make mixed use, wreck. Mixed use, mixed use. That, that farm was in northern Missouri. Northern so. Missouri. Can you talk? Can you tell the story of this, or is it too early? You want to wait till it closes? Uh, well, we can wait. We can wait. Till, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till that fun, the fun part at the end. We'll get through all this boring stuff. So sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who who'd you call? Who's your mentor? Uh well, that's a secret. So, okay. <laughs> they don't I want everybody calling him. So. I want his number. So <laughs> <laughs> you might have access to it if okay. uh, we talk afterwards. So. Okay. I have a guess of who it is, and I might be <laughs> I might be dead wrong though. Um, well, that's cool. I mean, that's that's. I mean, even for someone that's been in the business, and I mean, how many probably hundreds of deals you've done now over the years, yep. and you, you're still uneasy. I mean, I think there's. I think it's only natural to some extent. Oh. But you have, but you find more peace after you pull the trigger, cause it's like, well, I, you know, I trust my own opinion. This is what I do for a living. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I still, they still make me nervous. Yep. I'm still scared like a school child doing it. I, I, it just, I, I don't know what it is. If I ever don't feel that way, maybe, maybe something's wrong because it's, it, it's such a huge investment. It's such an important life changing event. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't take any of it lightly. Um, and forgive me if I said just buy it, but it it it's it's it, you know you got to try to remove the emotion. It is important. You just want to get it right. So you ask the, you know I sometimes say that I'm the right person to help other sellers, but sometimes I even need a little help. So mm-hmm. you know what? Yeah. So you you bought a property in a pretty interesting time to be a buyer. <laughs> so and, and I think. You know, there's people that are looking to buy right now as they should. I mean, there's still, um, you know, interest rates are low. And if you find the right deal, there's no reason to to wait. So what's some advice as a buyer that's in the marketplace right now looking? 
Well, did you remember? Should we rewind? What did I tell you? When's Just the best time to buy a farm? A long time ago. <laughs> When's the next best time? Uh, right now. Exactly. You can't with land. You can't sit and wait around until it's yeah. going to drop. Yeah. What What my best advice is is to again, and I I forgive me if I make this sound like a shameless plug, and I don't care. You got to have a good mentor that you know that you know the market. I always look to shoot. 10% at least under the market condition, maybe 15, 20, I'm all over that thing, 20% under the average market. Um, what is the average market? You're probably not gonna know it unless you're talking to a real estate professional because those pendings, you can go talk to an appraiser and I don't wanna you know, cut down the appraisal. Appraisers are very much needed for financial safety, mortgages and so on and so forth. But to know the true market price and the true market, you need a real estate professional to help you understand, you know, they can't tell you what the pendings are, but they know what the market is in real time. They're the only people, the only people that know what the market is in real time. Mm -hmm. So that, that is what you need. And if you can buy, I'll buy a farm this afternoon, Jake, if you called me up and said, of course, I wouldn't buy one of our own farms that we have listed, but yeah. if uh, another real estate agent that wasn't so good uh, was listing a farm for 20% under the market, we would probably want to buy that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so markets go up and markets go down. Um, we're on a pretty steep climb right now. We're probably what, 30 to 40% in some areas for climb sure. over the last 12 to 18 months, right? Yeah. Well, so do we want to be buying 40% over the market? Probably not, but what is the market? That that was the market. The market today is X. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're gonna be in land, you gotta you gotta you gotta buy under what it is today, not under what it was yesterday. Yeah, because it can change so much. What, yeah, you need to know what today's market is and just buy the deals. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. now easily said than done, maybe, but uh, that's what I do. I, I try to buy the deals. Now that farm, that was a deal. So it was 20% under market. Dang. So. That's, that's a, that's a, like a, did you have a shamrock golden shamrock in your pocket or something that day or? No, I had a very, very confident real estate agent. You may call him. Well, that's, I mean, once again, having a, a, <laughs> a network of good agents is key. Right. Um, that's very interesting. I'm excited to hear more about that. And, uh, so in terms of, you know, we discussed here kind of a little bit here before off air, but in folks getting into their first farm, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And uh, you had some ideas that I haven't really covered here much on the, uh, here on the show. And so the other thing is, uh, but most people think of just saving their money. So just making a fun, save, 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 save. Uh, once they get, I don't know, $40,000, then they go look to buy their first farm. Your strategy or thought in terms of, okay, you're sitting on however much equity in your home. Can you access that to get into a farm? So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Or that is, I'm glad you asked that question because it's hard. The hardest thing you ever do is buy that first 40 or that first 80. That's hard because mm-hmm. we all know you need sometimes 50% down. You know, you can find, you can find lenders, uh, that'll, that'll get you at 25% if you're, if you're good. Um, but you need that downstroke and that downstroke is what hurts everybody. Uh, um, if you can get access to maybe some of that equity in your home, um, 
you know, let's, let's just for easy math today, let's call it a hundred thousand bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say you got a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars. Um, the first thing I do then I say, well, good, let's go look for a $240,000 farm. They're like, what? I just told you I only have a hundred thousand. Well, that's good. You need to leverage that, you know? Um, now I don't want to tell you to do something that's risky and, uh, and going to set you back financially, but the, the name of the game, all, all the people that have done well in land, normally leverage their land to get going especially um so they get that first springboard so mm-hmm. take that you know instead of buying 20 you're going to buy 40 acres and you're probably going to borrow the balance uh you know on that and leverage it so what you're going to want to do is maybe maybe you see that beautiful piece of timber with an oak ridge and a bunch of bunch of oaks bunch of bunch of nice nice uh bedding ground or a little food plot and there's no income on it. Maybe that's not the best farm for you to buy. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Um, as I tell everybody in real estate, location and then location mm-hmm. and then location are the top three things buying farms, right? So that being said, maybe you had to look for a mixed 50-50 farm with some income to help you with leveraging that money, help you buy more and springboard it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you should be able to get three, four, maybe 5% um, on some tillable land, you know, if you're mixed use dividend on that in rent, mm-hmm. you know, that's not including appreciation gains. Um, so if you're gonna buy, you know, something with some CRP on it, that's a good idea. That's that, that has some income that helps you offset, especially the taxes and so on and so forth, but also helps you leverage to buy more. Mm-hmm. So, and then, like I said, don't, don't get super married to that piece, maybe springboard to the next one if appreciation gains are present. So, so it's tough though, because they don't get married to the piece, but you regret selling your 80. Well, don't we all though? <laughs> so what do you, I mean, how do you balance that? <laughs> it's tough. It's tough, yeah. right? Yeah. It's tough. Um, hindsight is 2020. So I'm talking in hindsight. Yeah. So, so jump in a time machine, knowing what you know now, would you sell that 80? And then go buy a commercial building and some gyms. Yep. You would still sell it. Yep. And just put a, me, put, a, it, put a bandaid on the regret and just keep moving on with life. It just taught me a lot of things. I learned a lot of things. Um, would I love to own that 80 right now? Yes. Um, but I, I just, I, I learned too much and I, I got to practice what I preach. Yep. Um, you can't get married to it if you're going to build wealth and build investment in real estate. Now, if my goal was to just own 80 acres, and that sure. was my objective back when I was 20 some years old, but it was, I wanted to own a thousand acres of tillable farmland. And I knew that that was my objective. So at least make sure you write your goals down before mm-hmm. you go buy land. What are, why are you buying that land? Mm-hmm. So and if it's just to own 40 acres and the rest of your life, that's just, contentment mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that then buy the piece you want to buy yep. but as far as real estate investment and land it, it, it makes families wealthy it makes individuals wealthy and it's a great tool to create wealth mm-hmm. yeah and leave a legacy too i mean look at you yeah. i mean you're you're living legacy of a six generation farm i mean i don't know how much of that you know i don't know what that looks like but regardless the work ethic the dna and the appreciation for the mm-hmm. land that's that legacy passes on regardless i'm sure it's the same for your kids Right. Right. Correct. Do you think with a lot of the buyers that you end up working with, how many of those folks are wanting to buy, you know, one and done buy versus 
you know, buy and, and roll into more larger properties if you had to put a percentage split on them? On the ag tillable side, many of the folks uh, want to buy, not one and done, but they want to buy and pay for and uh-huh. buy another. Yep. That's pretty hard. Uh, it's a long, long investment. Um, what I coach buyers and tillable to do is to, you know, if go go away from the family farm and and buy a 40 or buy an 80 that you're not going to get married to if you want to buy more land. But if you want to add to the family's holdings or your own holdings nearby, just buy that one and pay for it and keep it. I mean, time's going to be your friend. It's going to be hard to scale it quicker that way, but it's a different model. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take your earnings, do what you can with it. Um, As far as rec folks, um, I actually like to see them get into a a mixed use farm and springboard it ahead to the next one because they're going to want another one. You know, they're going to want a bigger one. They're going to want different area in most cases. So that's the way I kind of, you know, advise through that. So. Mm-hmm. I think with the rec, it happens so much organically too, where maybe they get in the neighborhood and, and hunting's very, uh, whether it's good or bad, a very communicative sport. If you mm-hmm. want to call it that you're talking yeah, with the you neighbors, go. you're talking with everyone. What do you got on trail camera? And then, you know, sometimes people are able to piece together the neighborhood or maybe the na- the communication is negative and you want to get the heck out of there and go buy a different place too. So it's yeah. a, it's a uh, there's two sides of that. There um, is two sides. Yeah, there are. Yeah. So, so what, um, I guess, what are you looking for specifically? I think most people that listen to this are probably looking to buy more of the recreational property. So if you had to boil down the, the perfect parcel, I have... I don't know. Let's just, let's say $50,000 in my bank account, ready to go buy a piece of ground. I've been saving for five years, put $10,000 a year, uh, you know, had an extra job, whatever the case may be. I have 50 grand. I want to go buy my first farm. What, so you pay, cause it's tough to find a 50, 50 mix use rec piece where I'm at right now. And part of that problem is with tillable being so expensive, it's, it can really inflate that 50, 50. So, I mean, is, a, is it okay to dip to a 75-25 or an 80-20? Absolutely, yeah. I always say 50-50 just for ease because we all talk about it. Heck, the yep. farm I just bought in Missouri is not 50-50. It's more yep. about 65-35. But, um, yes, just find something with a little income to help offset the taxes so that you can pay down more principal on it if you, if you wish um, or ride the appreciation. The biggest thing I would tell you to do is try – Try, try to buy something under market. Now I know that's easy to say and hard to do, but it's done every day of the week still. Mm -hmm. So again, mentor, agent, somebody that can help you. Maybe you're astute in land and you're really, really been watching it for years now and you know a deal when there is a deal. Um, Just buy the deal. Mm -hmm. Or... If it's the piece you just love and you're gonna you're gonna marry it and you're gonna die with it, just just do what you gotta do to get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of so the house that I bought this year, uh talked to one of my bankers and he's like, We'll get you in there. Like we'll find a way to get you in the house and we'll figure out, you know, the repercussions afterward. Right, right. <laughs> and I didn't have to go that route, but that was kind of the thing. And uh actually my great grandpa oh used to own this 40, so it's very similar to that. And like it's only, I say it's only 40. I'm super grateful for it, but to piece together more nearby, it's probably not going to be realistic, but at the same point, it's like, you know what you're getting into and and then a, a different farm. I'm not married to it and I'd be happy to roll it into something else, you know, bigger and better 
when the time is right. And I don't know what that is. So, um, mm-hmm. and you, that you kind of alluded to that with people that they have their home farm operation, go buy that 40 or 80 and use that to maybe piece together more of their home farm and, and use that to, to keep, you know, keep things moving and going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. It's not easy. And I can tell you, I listened to my grandpa. I listened to my dad. I listened to my uncle. I listened to about every client that I have. The universal thing that gets said was it was so hard to buy it at the time. It didn't make sense. Yep. I didn't know that it would work out. I was very scared. And you should be. It's an important purchase. But if you don't make the purchase, you're just going to keep saying that. Mm-hmm. So um, you just you just have to do it and you have to figure out how to do it. So even if it's too expensive today and you're going to wait for it to fall out, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Just, yeah. just, just try to find a deal. I, I know we're all out there. Every one of us is looking for a deal and land is sexy right now. So everybody's looking for land. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to get out of the city. But I can tell you there are still deals. Um, we have a thing called First to Know at Land Pros, and I tell you that thing is a boon. I uh, I uh, sell a lot of farms before they even hit the market because of the First to Know, and our clients fill that out, mm-hmm. and they get a pre warning when something's going to hit the market, and and it's an advantage. You gotta you gotta find any advantage you can, whether it's a mentor or tools like that. Just to just get a get a little jump ahead from somebody else because we're all looking for the same nut. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's good advice. I think uh, it is a free market. I mean, at the end of the day, and so it is what you make of it, and mm-hmm. um, you have no one else to blame them but yourself. I mean, that's right. as, as crude as that is. It's true. I mean, the resources are there. Just buy it. Just, just buy, buy it. it. There's a ring. You're gonna have to make a bumper sticker of that. <laughs> just buy it. Um, but I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I guarantee everyone that's listening to this has heard someone else say like, you know, those mark, you know, the market doesn't make any sense or, you know, that tillable, you'll never turn a profit on that. And that's literally what has been said forever and ever and ever. You know I mean, well, it, it has and take, for instance, I might get a little technical here on you, but uh, I had folks at $7,500 saying this was two years ago, land in Southern Minnesota, tillable land. That doesn't make sense. You got $3 corn. You'll never pay for it. You can't pay for it. Okay. So you shouldn't have bought it at 7,500, right? When interest was at four and a half, five percent on those farms. That cost you $360, $70 an acre in carrying interest costs to hold that farm. Okay. Don't, I'm not trying to lose you here, but just bear with me. So they didn't want to buy it then. And then last year, in the last, Six months ago, they didn't want to buy land at 10,000 an acre. They didn't buy it at 7,500 because it was the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would have liked to buy it at 7,500. Now it's 10. I don't know about you, but I would have. Right. Yeah. That's why you spray more, yep. sell that sucker, and buy the next one. Right. Mm-hmm. But take, take your appreciation gains. Okay. So then he's telling you to go, well, don't buy it now. It's $10,000. It's overpriced. Well, interest is only at 3.25%. So it's actually cheaper to buy it now at 10,000 at 3.25% because it's only $325 carrying. And he tells you not to buy it because it costs too much. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that same piece of land, six months later, 
is 13,000. So tell me, what was the right move there? Yeah. When should you have bought that farm? When you, when you could have a 7,500. I mean, yeah. Long time ago, right? Yeah. So when, I, yeah. I asked this question um, uh, to Bill Winky, and it was about you know the compound interest. And yep. so I don't have the compound interest calculator in front of me, but I want to say it was something along the lines of, okay, well, this is even probably dated now, but let's say rec ground overall is $4,500 an acre. Mm-hmm. Okay. At a 6% annual appreciation of real estate. I think we probably somewhat agree, we can on all that. agree on that. It's probably yep. higher, but we can agree on that. Yep. And then, so in, in 15 years, and I'm sure this calculation is off because I'm just going off the top of my head, that same ground is going to, in 15 years, hypothetically be worth almost $15,000 an acre just off the of 6% annual appreciation. That's going to happen regardless, you know, assuming well, those trends continue. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine right now, jump on the time machine 15 years later, and now you got to go say, I could have bought that farm for $4,500 an acre. What is going to be selling for $15,000 an acre just off of the same data right. that is kind of overall accepted now? Who knows? I mean, no one knows the future for sure, but it's pretty safe to bet that. It's pretty, I mean, we have a solid 50 to 60 years of data on land, and I'd argue we have 100 years of data on land. That thing is solid as the day is long. Now, has it gone down? Yep. Did we lose a bunch of people in the early 80s? Yep. Yep. But again, time's a friend. You don't have to sell that land when it goes down. You shouldn't sell that land when it goes down. Yep. So you need to, I mean, I don't ever guarantee appreciation gains. I like to talk about dividends to help you get you through those times. But land is safe. And land, I can't think of a better savings account to put your money in. You get to go play in your savings account. The bank don't let you come play in the vault. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Scrooge the stock market, jumping through. <laughs> you know, the stock market doesn't let you take your stock certificates out for a night on the town. So, yep. I mean, why wouldn't you put your money in something that safe? And when you wake up tomorrow morning, and there's war or there's famine or there's some problem now and i and i and i don't want to make light of any of that because it's very serious stuff and i don't want to make a joke but when you look out your window the land is still there it can support you no matter what mm-hmm. even in hard times the stock certificate's gone the bank closed its doors the credit card shut its money off it, it just the land is there mm-hmm. and they're not making any more of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The government yeah. ain't printing it. So yeah, that's the that's the beauty of it. And like you alluded to with all the enjoyment that you can get out of it. So I mean, if maybe maybe you just like to hunt by yourself, that's great. You can go do that. Maybe you want to have your family out there for a picnic. That's great too. Maybe there's a little pond on it and kid can catch first fish out of there. I mean, like there's a, a lot of really special things that go along with it. There is, is so many and all rewind all the way to the back of this. You know, we all, I think we can universally agree society has a little problem with work ethic. Society has a little problem with laziness, whatever you want to call it. But I tell you what, your kids, your family, they're going to see you work and strive to pay for that land. They're going to see you improve it. They're going to see the passion. They're going to see it in your heart. And you're going to teach them that struggles are okay. I, 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 it's okay to watch dad struggle paying for that farm because you learn something. You learn maybe how to get through that. And then 
in the good times, you learned how to catch that fish you just talked about. I mean, land is the only thing that can give you that. And why wouldn't you throw it into something that appreciates some value like that? What the heck? Just buy it. So just buy that's simple as that. <laughs> Not I, that's, that's great. I think it's great advice. And I think it's, it's funny because talk to a lot of different people and there is a common theme and you could boil it down to the multiple, you know, a few multiple pillars. And one of them is, you know, time in the market beats time in the market, just pull the trigger, make the sacrifices on the front end. And you'll thank yourself later. I mean, it's just, none of this is new. None of this is super creative. None of this is rocket science. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, as simple as that. I mean, that's- well, I tell you what, too, too, Jake. Um, I don't know lately if you've looked around. There, there's a lot of jobs out there, and I'm all about working hard. If you gotta buy that first piece, and you're working a great job, and you're making good income, but you only have fifty or hundred thousand dollars of equity to throw at a farm, go buy a two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars farm. Grab another night shift or another yeah. another job. Pay that principal down. And get some equity. You know. Yeah. Just for sure. Do it. You got I mean, make yourself work because there's plenty, plenty of work for you right now. And now's you know, land might be a little overpriced, a little. Maybe it's not, maybe it's going a lot higher. I mean, sure. If, if we see eight or ten dollars a corn, you're gonna see a lot higher land prices. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this is still cheap. I, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but what I can tell you, take your equity, leverage it, and work hard to enjoy that piece of land and you will never, never go wrong with that advice. Yeah. I like that. I just watching a video here recently talking about how um, interest rates going up might not even necessarily impact prices because everyone expects it to drop off if interest rates go up, but there's a lot of studies that have, you know, followed all that. And honestly, it takes so long for the real estate market to catch up with the interest rates because the feds doing it so slow that right. it, real estate just continues to trend up and there's no impact uh, with right. the interest rates. Now, impacts your buying power, impacts your monthly your monthly bill, but in terms of if you're waiting to think like, oh, if interest rates go up drastically, you know, it's going to pull back. Now, a lot of that's in residential. So, I mean, I don't know it how is. transferable it is, but I would assume there's some crossover. What's your insight on that? Well, you know, it's a great it's more impactful. It's very technical. I normally let, I'm a real estate guy, so... I'll let the professionals answer sure. that. Real, okay. no, I'm just kidding. It, 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 you're exactly right, Dave. It doesn't follow as much on the eggs, uh, on the land side of things, and especially egg. There's a lot of land that's paid for uh, or 50% leveraged. Um, they're not doing no money down loans. Uh, yeah. Their land is held very securely, and if you're going to buy land, I tell you to leverage it, but you're not they're not going to let you leverage it too much. So mm-hmm. you're going to be okay on it because they've got that figured out. Nobody wants to go back to 1982. So uh, that that's inherently that risk factor is built in already, um, you know, and you're not borrowing money on the entire purchase. You're borrowing on a portion of the purchase. So if it goes up a little, I, I think it'll still, I, I, I don't know if our country can handle, you know, I don't get in politics, but I don't know if our country can handle huge increases in interest rates. Um, we're all going to be in trouble. And I guess if we're all in trouble, I'd rather look out and see my piece of land <laughs> and figure, figure it out, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's very fair. Anything yeah. else here? I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're busy. You probably missed seven calls since we started. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's, I, enjoy, I love talking to fellow. Uh, I love talking to my agents. I love talking about this stuff. This is all I talk about every day. So I live and breathe this stuff. So you're going to have to tell me to shut up. So no. Well, do you want to share your Missouri story? Or you want to wait till you close on it? 
<laughs> we better wait till I close on it. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll have follow you come back up on with the next one. So, All right, deal. Yeah. I'm curious. You you piqued my curiosity. So, um, <laughs> let everyone know how they can get a hold of you. And uh, just want to thank you again for hopping on here. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Um, here's how you get a hold of me: Land Pros, L A N D P R O Z dot com. You'll find me on there. So landpros.com. We'll just make it easy for you. Everybody's Perfect. got a phone. Everybody's got a computer. I'm not going to read my number off. Landpros.com. Wonderful. So. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. All right, there you guys have it. Thanks again to Brian for taking the time to sit down and record an episode here. And hopefully you guys learned something. As always, please leave a root and review. Share it with someone that might enjoy it as well. And hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Until next time, see you guys.